So, it's come to this. So it's come to this. I hit the so this time. That was a nice I hit tried on that the so. Yeah. It was kind of announcer voice. I liked it. I liked so. it. So? Yeah. Uh, so it's come to this, a movie podcast. Yes. Much like many other movie podcasts. There's but, some. Uh, There's some better. out there. Yeah, but better. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. We are here live from the Shackleford Studios. Shackleford Studios. Engineer in Ben's Italy, in the California. other room. We are a two-room operation officially now. Yeah. We're, we're in the dining room, so it's a two-room <laughs> The studio's too hot. It's August. Uh, we're, we're in the dining room, but uh, Ben's still in the studio. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. And we are here tonight to talk about what I'm very easily going to say is my number one movie of the year. Oh, yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which, between the two of us, we have now seen a total to of five times. Yes, I just had my second screening. Uh, you've had now, I guess I'm going to do the math here and say that you've seen it three times. You're correct. Three times. Nailed it, guys. One of them in Tennessee. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've, I, you know, because I liked the movie so much. <laughs> and I was like, how does this play to the blue-collared folk? To the to the working class. Yeah, we're, we're liberal elites here in California. Yeah, so sure, it's like, I where's like the this real Hollywood story? Yeah, what's the real American I in Tennessee? I want to go where. Here, the action is. You got it. I want to see what the Actually, Heartlanders. You know feel. what? It's not. Um, that's not total BS because this is a story <laughs> about Hollywood, and you really have to be a lover of Hollywood yes. to really love this movie. In, I'm pretty in, in sure a full spectrum kind of way to become an official podcast talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's required that at least once we have to describe the movie as a love letter to classic Hollywood. It's a so, love letter to cinema. Yeah. It's a love letter to exploitation. <laughs> it really is. It is uh, It's a it's a it's a film nerd nerding out with, you know, a multi-million dollar budget and Quentin Tarantino for all his foibles and uh he sometimes he seems like maybe he's a creep, yeah. but he's also a film nerd and a film lover and uh he shares that love in his movies, I think oh, that yeah. few other directors do. And this movie is the ultimate. It's, it's, it's the a ultimate movie. homage. It's, it's a movie for people who like movies. You gotta like movies. No, yeah. actually, you don't have to like movies. I think oh. you you uh, you can like characters and, and enjoy this movie. This has got some of my favorite characters of any Tarantino movie. What I am, oh, for sure. And you such a, a an interesting use of them. You know, I'm a big proponent for the best under ten minute appearance in a movie. Right. right. This movie had like half a dozen. Oh, Great yeah. under ten minutes. Bruce Dern, Dakota Fanning, <laughs> Al Pacino sure. is freaking great in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And like you said, he's a little creepy. Yeah, for you pervs out there, there's a <laughs> zillion shots of dirty bare women's feet because <laughs> he can't do a movie without just a bunch of dirty, weird looking feet. It's uh, it's self indulgent, but I mean, why wouldn't it be? You know, yeah. it's it's his it's his love affair with old timey Hollywood, an, an era that does not exist anymore an right. era that probably should not exist anymore 
should have sure. ended, but not the way it did end. So he rewrites history the way that he does, and uh, it is pure escapism, and it's one of my favorite Tarantino movies of of his, of being a fan of his. and Yeah, and um, we're huge fans. We're, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. We have I, a treat I, coming up at the end of this ooh, podcast. Stay tuned. Where we will give each of our personal rankings for our top ten one to ten Tarantino films. Yes, yeah. we're talking top ten because we're we're calling Kill Bill one and two. We're separating two those. movies. Separate them out. We saw them separately. Uh, yeah, came out to theaters <laughs> separate separately. So separate thoughts. But uh, let's talk about this one. Yeah, um, and this one is oh, it is so. As we said, you know, movie nerds are gonna flip out over this because there's just so many Easter eggs and just things that they love in it. But I think any movie fan will get their own experience out yeah. of this movie. And and when you say movie nerd, I think you're really talking about a very specific subset of exploitation cult movie nerd. Sure. A lot of people say they're movie nerds and they love Back to the Future. And uh, that's fine. But we're talking about this kind of hard to find, specifically late 60s <laughs> because this takes place in 1969. Mm-hmm. But this uh, Italian uh, spaghetti westerns, we're talking about... This old timey TV that not a lot of people see in syndication anymore, and yeah. old timey westerns, and and a real like it's a very specific. We're talking about my DVR. Well, but yeah, Just exactly. <laughs> we are that specific. Bunch like, of fifties, fifties westerns. What I mean is, westerns. we are this demographic. Like I feel like I feel like uh, I'm a very specific age where I kind of came up with Tarantino movies as a young man, and I sure. feel like I've seen his evolution as a filmmaker mm-hmm. evolve a, as well as my appreciation. As a film lover, mm-hmm. and um, so I think this is him just yeah, sh- really uh, showing off everything he loves all at once. Um, yeah, but I, I loved it. I, I, I love that it. different people of different ages get. So we're getting this experience because we happen to love these genres that Tarantino loves, right? But then, uh, you know, one of my coworkers who's older that saw it, like she loved it because. It reminded her of that stuff of when she was watching that stuff when she was, you know, a teenager. Absolutely, a, yeah. And, you know, my I've bullied my parents into seeing it. <laughs> so it just to get them to go, they, oh, they're such a hassle to get to the movies. Oh, yeah. So I just kept bullying them and bullying them this week until uh, they went yesterday. And my mom grew up in Southern California. She was 18 years old in Southern California when this movie took place. So she loved it because she just saw all these things that she sure. lived around she probably got the references yeah she even that she got all the get. the location references and stuff right even for stuff that you see the restaurants for a second and stuff yeah. you know like oh that's that's a what there was this restaurant like uh, i'm gonna butcher the name sure. Van, vandemarks or something when when uh brad pitt's going to his home and you see that bright blue windmill sure uh lit up she's gotta like, be an icon she's like i've been to that restaurant debbie reynolds walked in once while i was at that restaurant so oh it's just my like God. so these kind of so she liked the movie? She did. Nice, and nice. my mom does not like Quentin Tarantino movies. Right. That right. is not my mother's genre. That's why I'm kind of shocked you. she still saw it. Uh, no, I was forbidden to see Pulp Fiction when Dude. I was... Yeah. Like, that was a movie that had such a negative controversy. It was like satanic panic. But for Right, right. <laughs> no, I remember being... Uh, let's see, that would have been... 94. I, I was uh, 11. Yeah. 
And I, was I remember my dad downstairs watching it. He had rented it and was watching it. And like I was not allowed. I had to stay upstairs. But yeah. I'm like creeping down the stairs and hearing it. I remember hearing Samuel L. Jackson's dialogue and then him being like, get the hell up there. <laughs> yeah. To somebody. To a yeah, te- it was like a dangerous movie. Yeah. And to a teenager, 13 years old, when, uh, when it came out, who uh, had barely seen any R-rated movies, period. Right. Uh, the first R-rated movie I saw was Falling Down. Ooh, so from okay. like you know a year or two earlier and i just quentin tarantino caused such a stir with this that every single magazine my parents subscribed to from newsweek to time to people were all just talking about this movie and it sounded from every single description that these articles were like the coolest movie ever right. i wanted to see it so yeah. bad but my mom refused it so here's my dad watching Pulp Fiction stairs story. Oh, you got one. I have a counterbalance to yours. I love it's it. It's different. So I was forbidden to see it. And uh, and I desperately wanted to see it. And my parents, they they knew. They, yeah. they even wouldn't let me go over to friends' houses for a while because they were convinced <laughs> that they would get uh, to go uh, parents are so take smart. them to me. So, one, so every Friday we'd go to the video store and get a couple of movies for mm-hmm. that weekend. And my dad went without us this time. Usually we would go together. And uh, he comes home and has a couple of videos. Then that night, Friday night, when my mom went to bed, my dad pulls out Pulp Fiction. Oh, shit. Hidden it. Hidden it. He rented it. And without... This is the coolest my dad's ever been. This is my dad's one cool moment. Uh, He's a nice guy, but cool is a stretch. Right, exactly. Uh, (laughs) So... Without saying a word, he holds up the tape and motions to the upstairs. <laughs> we go upstairs, never, literally never saying a word. Oh I just kind God. of assumed, like, am I supposed to go? Am I following <laughs> here? Like, am I supposed to right, go exactly. with him? And so oh, he's on the couch upstairs where I, like, played my video games usually. And I'm just sitting behind the couch in a folding chair, just silent for the duration of this movie. And we never spoke about it. Wow. Never spoke about it. That's that was a, the coolest. That was like a. It's cool such and cool, kind of creep, a little creepy, oh, but cool. But cool, dad but cool thing. That cool. was a cool dad. I get thing. you. I get you. I get you. Uh, fair coolest. enough. Fair enough. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is just this movie that I think a ton of different movie watchers can enjoy for totally different reasons. Oh, absolutely. Well, just the screening that uh, I just went to with Engineer Ben this afternoon, uh, my second, we sat. In between two groups of middle-aged people, middle-aged mm-hmm. women, and uh, yeah, they were they were getting a kick out of all the references. Yeah, they were remembering things. They were talking a little bit to each other, and then in the final act, I'm like, I wonder how this is going to go down. Yeah, because the final act is kind of the polarizing part of this movie. I <laughs> we're think. jumping right to. Well, the I, final I just want to say that they were into it. They were oh, not repulsed. Cool. By it. Like they were. On, like I think Tarantino, for whatever, his movies really can elicit that uh-huh. cinematic response that uh, you can't deny it. Like no. everyone was on board. Yeah. So know? I got in a, a couple in, in a way that you'd never see like in other movies. I feel like just the audience is part of the experience. Oh sure. Everyone's on this ride together. You there know, really is a different vibe. There's in a the response. Crowd. There's an audience response in real time that you really don't see much anymore. But I saw a lot. In my screening today. I, but in uh, a good way. In a good way. Yeah. So there you uh, go. last night, I uh, 
had also an older couple next to me. Uh-huh. And, your parents. Uh, yeah, we talked about parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and this woman was, through the, the duration of it, having occasional uh, reactions of, like, things she recognized. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes it would just be the thing that was on the screen. So she'd lean over and be like, and just say, Paul Revere and the Raiders. <laughs> it's like yeah they clearly they lingered on an lp of paul revere and the raiders for like 18 seconds and then talked about it. like right <laughs> you're not noticing anything you're just pointing out like i, I read that yeah, on, yeah i on see the screen there i know that so it was those kind of things <laughs> totally. she recognized and then her reactions during the twist at the end mm-hmm. were our basic big violent explosion of the movie was just like oh oh like she was like making batman (laughs) sound effects for like but horrified (laughs) breaths inward for all of these things oh no my people during the violent scene were like oh no Hmm? and then like wow (laughs) Mm. the movie kind of lulls you into this um comfortable uh, oh, life yeah. oh, you know yeah, you're just kind of living with rick and, and cliff you spend a whole day just on the set with this guy you're just going to work yeah. with a guy for half of this movie you're just hanging out with him you're just in the, the guys just driving around yeah you're in the oh. pool just having whiskey sours with this guy yeah. singing along right? to the royal guardsman and uh suddenly the movie just snaps you right out of that but from the very first frame of this movie so you've probably been over to my place enough times and had, you know, where I had some episode of oh yeah some TV show from the 50s through 70s just playing in the background. That's what I mean. We are this very specific subset, at least you are, especially with the TV where, yeah, you watch the old Bonanzas or the yeah. old uh, McClintock or something like McLeod. that. McCloud. <laughs> McCloud. <Yeah. laughs> uh, what's the one? Maverick, maybe you watch yeah. old Maverick. Oh, totally. uh, the I, Gunslinger. I loved uh, Cheyenne. The Virginian. Cheyenne Bodie. Yeah. You the Rifleman. Yeah, I, I love The Rifleman. Yeah, all this stuff where it's like a very specific subset of TV that Tarantino obviously grew up on. Yeah, that was obviously him. his thing. Yeah. You know? And uh, the movie starts out right away with a note-perfect uh, 50s to 60s Western mm-hmm. with that bounty law. Bounty law! <laughs> right, with the, you know, and exactly. it's, it looks perfect. The, the graphic perfect. is perfect. They get the NBC logo of mm-hmm. the time. And so right out of the gate, you know you're just getting this period-specific you know it's so cheesy but love letter like yeah. this is the this is the fondest memories of the director and he's just painting them up there any other movies like that that come to mind i'm trying to think of other like so specific like ed wood to me i think of as like tim burton doing yeah, that in, in other movies but i don't know it's uh yeah I mean, it's, like cinema paradiso uh, is such a vivid right. uh memory or even like weird to say uh like tree of life just felt like such a lived-in, experienced memory. I could see that. And this is not the same as that, but it's right. this that same kind of immersion. It has re- that memory appeal, yeah, that feeling to it, where you're seeing kind of this glamorous, uh, you're seeing all the best parts of it, but you're also seeing Rick Dalton kind of stuttering a little bit <laughs> yeah. when he's an actor. You're seeing him have these little ticks, and the whole movie is about this facade, in, in my opinion, this facade of Hollywood and the real people behind it and getting older and the real fears that exist. Oh, and then yeah. they have to play pretend cowboys all day, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, just the toll that that takes. But, yeah, like I said, that, that bounty law stuff is just 
It's all so perfect. Pitch perfect. Yeah. The music in this movie is maybe my favorite overall just collection of music. So, I mean, Tarantino in general is... His soundtracks are always impeccable. I mean, that's that's a obvious passion. Yeah. And in this one, I kind of like that he he's usually a pretty cool curator. Mm -hmm. You know, there I bet there's a dozen songs everybody heard for the first time and looked up a band because of they heard it in a Tarantino movie. Absolutely. You know, I think he's done a lot for these kind of forgotten AM Gold and and other. uh, I mean, Pulp Pulp Fiction had that whole song that was like the. the big song of that year was like that. Oh, sure, the Miserloo. Yeah, yeah, like uh, suddenly he's making Dick Dale like relevant <laughs> yeah. in 1994. You know, resurrected more than John Travolta's career. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you squandered it immediately. <laughs> Come on, that's how you thank uh, him. Yeah, right. uh, you make Michael. Yeah, after you do this? Michael right after this. The angel who smells like cookies. And you're Wait, like, well, I'm back. The angel, you, you dummy. It would have been a better movie if it was called The Angel Who Smelled <laughs> yeah. Like Cookies. I would have gone and seen that movie. Gators in the House. The Angel Who Smelled Like... Gators in the Why House. Why am I not being consulted? <laughs> I, I'm just telling the people what they want and what they're going to get. Um, And so, right out of the gate, you're getting this. I love how you bring up DiCaprio's stutter. And yeah. how he behaves in all of his different moods and s- levels of professionalism. Totally. You can see he acts different around Brad Pitt's character as Buddy Cliff. And then he's almost weirdly nervous and super insecure when he's meeting with Al Pacino. Uh, yeah. The he's, movie so, executive. he's so like he's, he's like, I hope I hope it didn't I hope it didn't suffer through my double feature. And it's like he's really yeah, yeah he's really takes what, himself down at the knees. And so he's like being so insecure, and that's why I loved the use of Al Pacino as Schwartz. Schwartz. Mrs. Just, Schwartz. Just, I love it when he's like, oh, uh, you guys watched the double feature. I hope you didn't. Uh, yeah, you said uh, it wasn't too painful for you. And he's like, what are you What are you even talking about? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are, oh, we loved like, it. Who are you? What are you saying? Oh, it's so good. And uh, yeah. Great, great opening. Like, just a great, like, uh, that opening talk with him and Al Pacino kind of opens the movie. And you learn everything you need to know. Yeah, you get that little interview in the black and white, so you learn about the stuntman relationship. Yeah, you, you learn, learn where everything he you need Cliff, to know about the uh, characters. It's it's one of my favorite because sometimes he could take a long time. You can take to, some journeys, sure. You know, uh, Ben and I were talking about that cab scene in Pulp Fiction and just how it drags, and you need it to explain Butch's character, but mm-hmm. man, it drags. And this was such a like, you get everything you need. I'm snapping my fingers because it's a long movie, but like you get everything you need to know. Pretty quickly in this well, that conversation. Took, uh, that Esmeralda cab ride is yeah. definitely some kind of like film noir homage. Totally, totally. You know, where the guy's hiding out in the back and he doesn't want to say much. And uh, so he's definitely playing that like, you know, street light flashing through the cab look a little yeah. bit there. And because that's, he loves this but, uh, stuff. But, but it's like, yeah, instead of DiCaprio having to explain himself, uh, Pacino tells him, the character yeah he tells him who he is and it tells him you know tells us who he is it was it was, it was like was the really well best done. use of al pacino yeah in ages i am an he was great anti pacino guy but mm. but i can't deny that obviously there's great movies clearly with al pacino i guess i hate al pacino's excesses totally i, I think al pacino yeah, yeah, yeah. should get the hate the specific kind of hate fake love that nicholas cage gets 
Like you know, there's a little there. There's a little Pacino hoo ha. You know, I think that was more in the '90s. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh no, it's, it's fa- definitely from like '88 to present. One of my favorite Pacino gags is in the critic when uh, they're watching Cinema. Son of a something, but it's like son of a jackass or son of a donkey. <laughs> he's like, hoo I say it a lot. hoo <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's definitely was just doing Pacino, and this is kind of him doing Pacino. Yeah. But in an appropriately eccentric role, and it's just one of the many cool short one to two scene performances in this flick. Yeah. But I love, I think a lot of people, from what I'm learning, went into this really thinking the movie was primarily going to be about the Manson family. Right. And right. not primarily about an aging actor and his stuntman. That's buddy. kind of all the speculation that was leading up to it was about, yeah, yeah. the Manson Once they stuff, saw there was somebody cast do? as Manson, yeah. I think everybody's like, oh. obviously you aren't going to make a movie that just has a cameo. It's from- about Sharon Tate, I mean, uh-huh. more than anything. And, and that uh, is one of the most you know infamous crimes in Hollywood and... Yeah. Even now, it's like, uh, yeah, 50 years later, it's there's a lot of uh, sore spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of grief still happens over this crime in yeah. Hollywood, and uh, so I think a lot of people latched onto that. Like, what are you going to do with this story? How are you? Are you going to do this? Yeah, is this just like a is this respectful? Of all like, the... you know, and and so uh, he turns it into a fable. But uh, yeah, like I don't think anyone expected we were going to spend two hours with DiCaprio, like. Struggling as an yeah. aging actor, and this whole like, where am I at in my career? Story that is obviously Quentin Tarantino talking about himself, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. But uh, you know, I don't know, I or, didn't or really, just uh... a generation of men in general. That yeah, are, I know. didn't really think of it that way. But I, uh, yeah, I love how instead you get those two hours spent in Rick Dalton's life. Yep, and the only reason the Manson family is involved is mostly because uh, you know you get. The bulk of the picture with their involvement is his stunt double buddy just happening to pick up a hitchhiker, you know? Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't have factored it until the end. That was just yeah, a exactly. coincidence in the movie. Yeah. And I love the different, uh, just the different Hollywood vibes that the movie goes through. Because in talking about these genres that it does, the westerns and uh, the noirs, you get like a couple scenes. As if it were that kind of movie. You know, you get the super tense thriller set out at Spawn Ranch. Totally. When Brad Pitt uh, One of my thinking, favorite scenes oh, of the movie. I mean, is, such a tonal shift. Yeah. It's like, suddenly hits you, and you are... Suddenly, the music is very ominous, and you are in, like, a bad spot. <laughs> and, and he keeps going in. Like, mm-hmm. he makes the wrong decision to go, look, I'm going to go check I'm gonna on go the guy. Do, yeah, I'm going to go look anyway. You know, I'm going to go find George and say hi. I'm just going to come in there and do it. And, yeah, you know that that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's but, not a good idea. But. No. And uh, <laughs> and so you get this two hours with Rick Dalton and, uh, and Cliff. And yep. a lot of – and then kind of at the same time you're getting the – in real time of Sharon Tate. Like, whatever Leo's doing, you're also seeing what she's doing at the exact same time. Right. And it cuts back and forth, where she's just going to see one of her own movies, which was a fun scene. That's a great scene, too. Yeah, Sharon Tate is such a, uh, just, she's such a joyful persona in this movie. And yeah. She's just such an innocent dance. Pretty much every scene, she's dancing in mm-hmm. some way. She's, Seems fun. She gives a ride to the stranger, <laughs> Uh, 
you know, she, yeah, she just really is like this pure character that yeah. I don't think you've ever seen in a Tarantino movie <laughs> right. before. Yeah, so you talked it's about interesting to watch him watch her and, and and to see him kind of give her these sweet moments. Yeah, it seems like he he loves uh lady revenge films so much that a lot of his cool female characters are like cool tough talking right badass women. Right. Um where she was just like a fun excited girl to be like living her dream just living the best life possible. you know yeah she's just yeah. having like a great time um it's the uh motivated uh version of the bridget fonda character and jackie brown sure yeah <laughs> the, i could uh, see that you know i could see that living her best life but a very different like life. if she had yeah <laughs> i'm imagining bridget fonda married to roman polanski now and uh yeah living the best yeah, life living the best yeah and I don't know, the whole movie, I just keep going back because I just want to sit there and stare at it for two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. It's been my favorite thing to do over the last three weeks since it's been out. Right, and that's kind of the heart of why this movie is so great because it is just that pure cinema. And it's probably going to sound pretentious me saying something like that, but it just is a gorgeous thing to look at. Yeah. Um, It is just colorful fast moving uh, I, I could just watch brad pitt drive a car for two hours i know down i was freeway. gonna say man the way you were talking about just him driving just when he first he's l- not even really ma- he's not interacting with anything he's just staring straight ahead yeah but he has such a zen like persona in this movie and it's it's kind of crazy like the second time watching this i really picked up on he is so I don't. He's so in the moment because he has no future. Yeah, he has this past that he doesn't talk about or think about. He's just such yeah, a. He's an apparently a war hero and a murderer, and, and maybe a mur- <laughs> maybe a wife killer. We don't. Yeah. We don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You believe that shit? Yeah. <laughs> oh come on, Randy. He's, he's a goddamn war hero. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's like he's the especially that scene in the plane where he's just drinking his his bottomless his bloody blo- bottomless bloody mirror. He's just this is so zen. Yeah, and that's the way he acts out in the end. And, well, it and even says on the flight where uh, where it's like Cliff didn't know what what he know what he's gonna do. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't have a future. Like, but he wasn't. He, but he, he likes wasn't driving this guy around. Yeah, you know, he was he, into it. He's 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 one of the most peaceful, at peace kind of characters that you'll you'll see in a Tarantino movie because all these I'm thinking of like Reservoir Dogs and stuff where everyone's so agitated all the time and well he is kind of he the is calm, just such a cool cool badass that he's Tarantino a, yeah. does like yeah him. well I guess but you know, the guy I, I think it's another level anyone, I, it's another it's, level of just like coolness oh he's one of the coolest he doesn't guys. even With his he doesn't even flinch when it's like he's got to go punch the guy out about the tire <laughs> you know he doesn't he doesn't he never gets like a look. Yeah, he just turns around and just pops the guy. See, I was getting just these in the vibes. Uh, Total confidence, love it. I was getting these vibes like Brad Pitt was kind of the uh, for the crowd. He was like the the cool guy, handsome guy, Charles Bronson. Because yeah. you talk about a movie like when Death Wish would come out and was doing such huge numbers in New York, and because it was like giving them a voice. They felt, right. you know, and so they would like root on Charles Bronson killing muggers because they'd all been mugged. And so this is like Brad Pitt in this movie is just handling every scene as cool and perfectly 
and tough guy as you could. He's able to be calm and collected at all times, yeah. but also not make a single misstep. Yeah, while, like, that's important, right? You know, uh, he's yeah, like you said, just walks over and just pops the guy right in the mouth when yeah. he's on a ranch with no transportation, <laughs> surrounded by 40 people. <laughs> Doesn't matter if all of them are women at this point. Yeah. 40 people is tough to, yeah. to get out of. Yeah. And so he just goes through all these, like, almost big Lebowski-esque situations throughout the greater Los Angeles area. Right. And Oh, totally. Driving around like Lebowski. Yeah. Time. It yeah, just feels like a, a classic version of Lebowski's Hollywood. You know, you see right. all those cinemas lighting up on over in uh, Westwood. Even mm-hmm. the Taco Bell and the Der Wiener Schnitzel. Right. I Taco Bell Oh, that Taco uh, Bell reference. sign looked uh, gorgeous. I could eat there all day. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. It's like, I want to visit this Hollywood oh, I know. that he presents. I want to eat at the El Coyote. Or, uh, you know, the restaurant. Casa Vega. Casa Vega. Over in the valley. Casa Vega. You know that's not a real place. No. That's, a, ha- <laughs> that's Dr- a reference. And it's one of those things where since... Uh, <laughs> I want to go there. Since my mom grew up in Southern California and we still had family there when I was a kid, I remember going to restaurants like, you know, Casa Vega in the movie with the the carport with all the, the lights oh, under yeah, it yeah, when yeah. they drop their car off. Now, there wasn't valet service at that kind of place when I went. But it's like that vibe and that look of those kind of restaurants down there. Like, I remember going to that, and it was just, uh, it was so cool seeing it. So cool. Like, and so, yeah, like you said, just him driving around, him going out to all these spots, and just having these essentially waste of time interactions. Yeah. (laughs) Throughout his day. Because he literally, if he's not doing something with Rick, we kind of establish that he doesn't really do a lot. Yeah. You know, he even says, uh, you know, when he's talking about his job as Rick's stuntman, but the stuntman work dried up a bit for assorted reasons. Yeah. His own fault and Rick's lessening <laughs> career. Then he pretty much is like, no, I like house sitting when you're away and hanging out in the Hollywood Hills. And totally. Just like, like he just kind of bums around, lives in a trailer behind a drive-in. Yeah. Which is a great shot. If that Van Nuys uh, drive-in is an actual thing. That shot thing. was so... The second time around, just watching it and just you're going over oh, that drive-in. Because he does that classic Tarantino overhead yeah. pan shot. We get a couple of them this movie. The very yeah. the very final shot. And, oh, uh, yeah. And this one. It's such you know, a... Like he did with Jackie Brown where he kind movie. of pans over yeah. when Chris Tucker is in the trunk. Oh, sure, sure, we sure. We do that long shot of the, the That's car. That's a great shot. So, yeah, we get like that Tarantino shot. At the same time we get the classic Tarantino shot, we also get the classic Tarantino movie intro song. Yes, That's playing in the drive-in. Yeah, that totally played in front of Death Proof, for sure. Yeah, that was like his classic feature presentation intro. You know, that's it's like, so the... One of the big criticisms I see is the self-indulgent aspect of this movie. Yes, it is. Yes, It's super self-indulgent. Yeah, you know, it's like it's a it's Tarantino is such an escapism for me, and the violence is such an escapist violence, and, and with all his movies, I mean, you're not supposed to take this stuff seriously. Yeah, it's it's a movie. It's great, and man. and all those like it's those... <laughs> crazy how people take this stuff so seriously yeah. in 2019, and 
I haven't read any criticism. <laughs> I haven't read it. I was like, I don't care people what are, anybody else thinks. People are very upset about the violence against women, sure. a.k.a. the Manson family who came to murder them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, and it's like, like all the movies that Rick Dalton is in, The 14 Fists of McCluskey. <laughs> I'm glad you oh remembered the name. Oh, my God, I want to see that movie so bad. I want That's what I mean. I want to go see that movie. I want to go eat at the Mexican <laughs> restaurant. I yeah. want a margarita. I want the ice tray oh, with, with that the rip up handle rip up ice thing oh, contraption My to separate the those. ice cubes yeah those were terrible. man that's crazy man yeah rick rick dalton in his short kimono with a picture of margaritas yelling <laughs> at the manson he's, he's family. got the old like eight track or cassette <laughs> tape machine out out not even cassette he's what got a big been at big point? beefy reel to reel he had a reel to reel out in portable the pool reel to reel on the in the pool chair Oh, yeah. real to real. Oh, my God. Yeah. No. Come on. This guy's the coolest. Uh, it's just so... Every like, spiel I don't know. is great. Every Him talking about, you know, his... Well, that's what Eddie O'Brien taught me. When you make your money, you right. buy. Oh, you know? I love that <laughs> Then bit. you live here. You aren't just visiting. I love the bit where they're watching the FBI, and he's like, that guy's a complete dick. <laughs> yeah. That guy's a good guy. That guy's a good guy. It's felt so like that's exactly yeah. what we he pan- would say yeah. about that. We hear about him filming, so he's at the stage it. of his career where he's a post. You know, he's his TV, his long eight se- eight season run TV series is over. Bounty so Law is over. He tried to make a movie career. He had three or four movies. Now yeah, he's fizzled. the heavy. Yeah, now, now he's the he's... heavy in week to week television. Which, of course, one of my favorite actors is the of people course. that played heavies on week to week television. Yeah, and so it's already That's... this guy is like, oh, this is the kind of actor that I would be. Seeking out you in every program, would be the biggest Rick. Dalton yeah, I'd fan, be going after every show this guy's in. Absolutely. And so, yeah, we get, <laughs> we get, uh, yeah, they keep talking about. Oh, yeah, uh, I got an episode of FBI playing this uh-huh. Sunday, and then yeah, when the live commentary basically oh, from it. Cliff and Rick as they the movie the whole screen zooms in, so you're just seeing the front of one of those big old tube televisions. Yes. And so it's like we almost go to a full screen presentation because now the edges are cut off by TV Yeah, no, you go to 4-3 a lot in this movie uh-huh. when you're seeing the old shows and stuff. And it just, yeah, he's perfectly integrated into the show. They've got the, they, I mean, whoever shot this movie, I should look up like the cast and crew kind of stuff because. Well, that, that whole. Um, the, the way they integrate him into the movies is great. The way they. Oh, get, yeah, he's into the great escape. In the great, yeah, and, that's uh, great, and and showing him on FBI is great, and showing well, in the FBI in Bounty that, Law, that, just that that black and white is a very particular. Like, it is they like very much. It's that uh, they nailed that it. specific nineteen fifty eight through like, fifty nine Western like what TV your TV black would and white. have actually yeah produced the um the FBI clip where he peels ahead in the he's sitting in the back of the pickup truck with a shotgun. Yeah, that is like a shot for shot. Burt Reynolds clip. Mm-hmm. Like Burt Reynolds was the Rick Dalton character yeah. doing the exact same clip. So uh Robert Richardson, cinematographer, uh give it up for him. He was also the cinematographer on Inglorious Bastards, hmm. Kill Bill Volume One, and then one of my favorite movies with DiCaprio, The Aviator. Oh Love cool. That movie. So he's worked he works with the heavy. He works I mean his his yeah, his uh Well I also love Tarantino's one of those guys like uh you know, Eastwood used to here. be who had his stock company of guys and gals yeah. that he works with. And it's like, these are the people I make movies with. I've had a good run. <laughs> I want to keep working with these people. And Eastwood would have, you know, seven or eight actors that showed up in 
all in a handful of different Eastwood movies. He worked with the same guys. Because it's like, if you're going to make movies and like making movies, you know, and to extension, like Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, it, if you say what you will about the quality of movies, he's making movies with all the exact people he wants to be making movies with. I will say this, uh, you know, we got uh, Richardson doing the cinematography, you know, one of my, th- one of my, th- I don't know if it's a thing I have, but I haven't really liked the last couple Tarantino movies as much. Interesting. And I think a big reason is because Sally Menke, the editor, died in 2010. Yeah. And was his editor on everything up until Inglorious Bastards. And you know, then- one of my buddies that I saw, uh, well, we were at the uh, Colt Night the other yeah. night seeing Top Secret, mm. and uh, <laughs> which was fantastic. And uh, one of my buddies, George, he was saying the same thing. Oh, yeah. But I don't know, man. I love the... I I understand uh, her role in some of his stuff and how, you know, some of his movies used to be shorter. But I dug the run times of Hateful Eight I don't even mean it to be shorter or anything. I just mean the way that the movie, you know, Pulp Fiction moves at a much different pace than... It's true. Yeah, it is a different pacing and a different tone. And uh, there's a lot more quiet. Yeah, and uh, and long, drawn out scenes. But I think this one he nailed it. Whereas I, I the last couple have felt meandering to hmm. me in a way okay. that they don't. Before we'll get into that with the we'll rankings. Get into that with our rankings. This sure. one doesn't meander. I'm saying this one every minute. I really savor. I want there to be another. I want this to be a full. Four I hope hours. there's more. And you know, actually, I see more of it. I do want to go back and see. Uh, I think it's on Netflix. They have this new, like, kind of recut of the Hateful Eight as like an eight part yeah, yeah, or yeah. maybe a four part series uh-huh. or something. I haven't seen it. I want to watch it because I, I think I need to revisit the Hateful Eight. But I, I didn't. Really I, care I was for the it, high but. vote on Hateful Eight among our group. Yeah, because I saw it after a bunch of people and. Uh, I loved it. It was my favorite movie of uh, 2015. Hmm. I, I definitely have it. to watch it. And it, it went by, for me, it went by so quick. Uh, I had like a beer with me that I <laughs> didn't purchase there. You. At the Third Street Cinemas. <laughs> 375. We're at the Third Street Cinemas. <laughs> and, uh, and then I was just like, well, I don't want to drink it like, and then I have nothing to sip on for the home stretch. And then before I knew it, it was like, the final act. Remember, it had those like oh, title yeah, yeah, cards. Yeah. And I was like, "What final act? Oh shit! Oh shit!" Like I'm all <laughs> chugging this beer that I brought. So suddenly, like two two hours and twenty five minutes zipped on by. That's funny. I just love the way the cast was introduced. And I don't know. I like. Uh, I gotta revisit it. I yeah. gotta revisit it. But we're uh, once I'm, upon a time in Hollywood. I, I gotta revisit again because I just want to. I just want to keep it. revisiting it. I just want That's all I want to do now. Yeah, I just want to be there. I just, <laughs> There's not even anything. Uh, uh, somebody was asking me like, "Oh, what'd you notice?" seeing it for the third time I'm just like nothing nothing really like some other movies you're like oh, just yeah, saw the was... same stuff i wanted to see again yeah. yeah it was all just like oh no i've noticed everything i wanted to notice i just want to watch those same things yeah again because we want to indulge in the things that tarantino wants to indulge in i mean yeah. that's just our you know it's the first time we saw it uh-huh. uh as we were walking out you're hearing people having conversations, and I remember hearing someone say to their friend or whoever they're with, "Yeah, so this is your first Tarantino. What did you think? <laughs> and, oh, my God. What a terrible movie this would be if this was your first introduction so, to Quentin Tarantino. So, you've never seen any physical media before. So, <laughs> just think of this. Somehow you've missed, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I know you're not a TV or years. cinema watcher, but what about this movie? But do you think, like, do you think you'd have to kind of know... Or, or be on board I would, as a Tarantino I would kind of love seeing to, this with... Uh, like, 
not even fresh know who Tarantino like, who, eyes. Like got no conception of Tarantino. You have you know, it's like yeah, we didn't really know what we were gonna get into watching it. We right. I'm not reading spoilers. I didn't want I I kinda had a assumption about how it was gonna end. Once so I because that's a Tarantino kind of thing that yeah, he's done yeah. before. Well, but, as uh, as we've we've talked but I really about didn't here, know. I go in pretty spoiler free. Yeah, and I as think the did. only thing I knew was, you know, that I think I knew Brad Pitt and Leo were going to be in it, and I knew <laughs> I, and I knew it was. Uh, I love that you're like I didn't. Know, I, how do you not know the people in it? I mean, well, uh, I knew them. You're funny. That's funny. I knew them. I I didn't know who was in like us or any of that. Right. I just right. try. I try that's and just. Tr- uh, I don't want to know. You do man. it better than a lot of people. I'm going to say. I, I, I log off. I, love I log <laughs> off. I go go dark. But uh, radio so I silence. Knew, I knew Brad Pitt and Leo were in it, and I think I vaguely remember Manson stuff. But I think more so, I remembered Steve McQueen. I was like, oh, oh. cool, Steve McQueen's Steve McQueen's <laughs> in like one scene. One, yeah. The one guy they line. got looks exactly like Steve McQueen. I mean, holy cow, his face looked freaking identical. Yeah, at the Playboy Mansion party, which yeah. looked amazing. Uh, that actor Damian Lewis, he's in. Uh, oh, he's in Band of Brothers, he's in like Billions, and uh, kind of Billions. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, okay, now I see it. Now I Homeland. see it. But I guess there were on rewatch. I did notice stuff like stuff like blink and you'll miss it. Martin Cove, the leader of the Cobra Kai in Karate Kid. Oh, he's where? in like five seconds in the beginning, playing oh. like a guy on a western. Oh, one of the guys. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And then there's when uh, Michael Madsen has that same. Yeah. Bit. Oh, yeah. he has a good. He's got the oh, one. Martin Coe is even shorter. Martin yeah, yeah, Coe yeah. is like coming up next, and it's I like one. Never line. saw it. Yeah. But I, sure. but you know that guy has a really uh, unique face shape and kind of nose. You know, totally. Martin Coe's got a recognizable mug. So this time I've. Stuck around, waited, saw the name, like oh, right. <laughs> wow. got there. It's gotta be but like Clue Gulliger's in there as like a book sh- bookstore owner. You know, uh, we recently saw him on the Uninvited with oh, a weird sure, tooth sure. prosthetic. Yeah, terrible choice. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Absolutely. And when Sharon Tate goes to watch uh, the Matt Helm movie, she's in. Yep. With a not as drunk Dean Martin. <laughs> as- <laughs> yes. Uh, still pretty, still seems like drunk, he was pretty drunk, but not as drunk. Yeah. Uh, there's a tra- a couple trailers when she sits down, and one of them has like William Smith, who's like probably oh, the yeah. most Tarantino guy that's never been in a Tarantino movie. Somebody out there is going to be like, actually, he played a carriage man in, <laughs> in the Hateful Eight, right? But William Smith is like a total Tarantino seventy. Tar- William Smith is basically. The combination of Cliff Booth and Rick Dalton. Totally. He was like a '70s Western guy on, or '60s Western guy on Laredo, and then he played, you know, the guy getting his ass kicked by Jim Rockford throughout <laughs> the '70s, and then by the '80s he was doing like Maniac Cop. There you go. So yeah, you know, I'm sure. I wish we'd only gotten to get to Rick Dalton's '80s slasher movie phase. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, um, you know, the guy we love in Tourist Trap. Yeah. Chuck yeah. Connors. Chuck Connors. Totally. Or, uh, you know, Rory Calhoun in Motel Hell. <laughs> I want to see Rick Dalton in, like, an 81 horror movie. You know, they were, you know, there's so many things flying around. Tarantino maybe wants to make a horror movie for his next I'm not even feature. listening to that talk. I'm not going to get what my What if it's up. Rick Dalton as... Oh, God. And it's, like, Motel Hell Rick Dalton and doing, like, a... And, I mean, that's, you know, that's an era Tarantino doesn't really... He hasn't gotten into the 80s uh, camper <laughs> subset You're yet. right, man. I don't know but if he loves all, it or not. All those Western guys did at least one 
early 80s, late 70s horror movie. Like Neville Brand, oh, who was sure. also on the way. He was in Eaten Alive. Yeah. And just like, oh, I got to see Rick Dalton's horror career. Well, even, I mean, the whole... It's I my love, dream project now. I love the idea of the... Uh, of him having to go do the Italian movies in yeah. this in, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and how that was seen as like uh uh less than, you know, as as that that was the slap in the face if you would like go over yeah. and do these. And, and it, those are so obviously the movies that Tarantino loves and oh sure and has made before and, and the yeah. <laughs> I just love that uh, Arguably, dichotomy of uh, uh, the actor not wanting to do those kind of movies. Yeah, yeah. Now I got to do Italian I westerns. Italian. It's like and what, Brad? You've how many how Italian many have westerns have you, have you seen? seen? I've yeah. seen enough. <laughs> and so uh, oh, by the time we get to the actual movie posters of oh, those man. Italian flicks, I want those so bad. Oh my god, what was it so like? Kill the Gringo, said the Gringo, <laughs> and there and all these movies are all starring the same guys that were in these flicks, like George Pappard. Oh, and my, the poster with him and Telly Savalas, tell, him and Telly Savalas, and then but my favorite title is Operazione Dynamite. Dynamite. <laughs> oh well, the one with Telly Savalas, if I remember correctly, is uh, the only good Indian is a dead Indian. <laughs> that was yeah, that, I think that was like the book it was based off. Based of. off the book, the only that Indian was the, dead. that was so funny, and the, yeah, but the movie was like Operazione. Uh, God, I just saw Dynamite. this today. Red, red blood, red skin. Something. I think that was it. Him and Telly Savalas. Those beautiful. So I those ha- those little like th- those are. Yeah, those to us are just like, oh man! When we first when we saw it, it was like we both started laughing when we saw Telly the Telly Savalas poster is it was just gorgeous. So, it's so fucking just a good. bunch of dead Indians with that big old smiling Savalas <laughs> face as he's firing off the oh pistols and those posters. It's like why do we why why yeah. why does that tickle us so well, much? It's as just someone, so good. I'm I'm a guy who I have a few vintage posters. Oh yeah, you know that I have up. And uh, I love those Man, posters for those, love those for those old movies. And there is some flat out amazing Italian ones. And I love all those westerns. I love the Django series, which <laughs> different yep. than Django Unchained. Yep, uh, the Django westerns very different. But they're even dropping names like Antonio Margariti. He's the uh-huh. Operacion. Uh, and that guy's an actual awesome director he did a couple of Django movies and how many of these Italian like horror movies have we seen absolutely yeah like Fulci and Argento like but the Italian uh crime thriller Mm -hmm. is a cool ass genre that I think has not been properly tapped by America yet yeah there's so many of these cool little high-speed crime caper flicks that are low budget but got crazy stunts, and they all have names like Operacion Dynamite. <laughs> Dynamite, you know, or it's like, or they have just, you know, as you've seen with some of these Giallo movie names, yeah, you know, the bird with the crystal plumage <laughs> and uh, four uh, flies on gray velvet. Never torture a duckling. Yes, <laughs> you know, it's like what you just hear the title <laughs> and it's like, oh, so it came huh? out like 1973 in Italy, right? Yeah, there's, uh, you know, the crime dramas all have the same kind of, like, the cynic, the rat, and the fist. Oh, I, I was actually on Amazon Prime. They have got a bunch of these old mm-hmm. ones, and it's like, uh, die now, shoot later. And it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like 
Oh, God's Gun. Oh, man, I want to see God's Gun so bad. That's such a great title. They're all like that. And so in all of these posters, and I love, oh, Rick Dalton's Hollywood Hills pad. Oh, man. With that gorgeous little pool out back overlooking the road up. And all of his huge trifold movie posters framed all over his house. Like every... And it's a bunch that are never referenced... Yeah, like there's other ones movies. that are never referenced in anywhere else in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's just like there's one, especially in the back, that was like Comanche Rampage or something. Oh, it's that was like, a good one. Comanche Uprising. Uprising, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I'm like, what? We didn't even talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we what? didn't get the Comanche <laughs> Uprising. Uh, yeah, and uh, what? I think there's another one with like uh, Suzanne Plachette or something. Oh, you know? yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Funny. Jigsaws. Some, uh, yeah, you just see other posters from movies that aren't. Yeah. And, oh, again, we talked earlier about some of these cameo appearances that are their own characters. I love Kurt Russell's Randy. Oh, yeah. You know? Perfect. One of the set coordinators. He's oh, great. And Kurt, he's married to or Zoe Bell. Zoe Bell is his wife. Yeah, is the wife. Oh, yeah. Zoe Bell's scene was tremendous. She's great. But then, and other scenes were just so weird. The Bruce Lee thing is such an odd in, inclusion to me as a, as a reason why... Cliff doesn't get as many gigs. Yeah, that's such a strange that combined with, and he killed his wife, it, man. There's a, it's a flashback within a flashback. Yeah, and it's a, it's a like, uh, you're not sure if it's real flashback with the wife scene, and then <laughs> yeah, but that whole, I love that whole flashback where he's on the roof thinking back. It just cuts back to him having just thought of that and, scene, and, and yeah. then he's, he's like, "Fair enough for something." Yeah, yeah. he's like, "Yeah, yeah, can't yeah. blame you. I, can't I, blame him." I threw Bruce Lee into a car. <laughs> yeah, probably shouldn't have done that. Well, then it's funny. <laughs> then just this movie. I mean, there was so much amusing kismet. Like, uh, so the second time I saw this flick was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I right, recently right. went to. You're a jet setter. I'm a jet setter, man, <laughs> coast to coast, and. Uh, First beer popped in the movie is Brad Pitt pulling some beer out of his fridge called Old Chattanooga. Oh, wow. Right? I was trying to read that. I thought How it was just like that? a banquet beer, like the no, old Coors. It but... looked like an old Coors or kind of like an oh, Olympia. Man. No, Old Chattanooga. That's I awesome. assume uh, not a real brand. You, but You might have to, but yeah. boy, that was a weird coincidence. That's funny. <laughs> I love that. And, uh, oh, yeah, the wolf's tooth uh, wolf's dog tooth. food. Good food for just, bad dogs or yeah, for mean uh-huh. dogs. Just Good food for mean dogs. Just slop it right into that bowl. I oh, mean, man. every ounce of film that was on that screen, I was just soaking Was this up. the first uh, dog character in a Tarantino movie? Like a dog that has an actual job to do? Hmm. Anyways. Seems like there would I be loved, a dog. I loved the dog. Eight. I loved the dog, but uh, yeah. But I, li- I loved everything. There wasn't. It's like there's always in some Tarantino way. There's always like the scene you're like I could do without. I, I feel like everything in the scene, everything in this movie, even the scenes you could do without, I loved them. I'm glad Tell they you, were there. I have one. Okay. Not not without scene we could have done, without. but a little editing. Okay. I could have done with a little less, and I and I think the actresses is actually really funny. The little girl playing Mirabelle. Mirabelle oh, yeah. Lancer. Uh-huh. I kind of hate when kids talk really smart in movies. <laughs> I don't want kids to sound like dummies, per se, but I hate kids talking like adults. I understand that. It is not a character I like. But the part with her having him go over his Western pulp novel yeah. is super important. 
Yeah. It is really great. Absolutely. I could maybe just cut out a little bit of the first Mirabelle stuff. I could see that. Get to it a little bit. We have not even got into (laughs) the amazing 20-plus minute scene of him just on the set of Lancer. It's uh, of his, of us I enjoyed it so gig. much more the second time. Oh, and it he really, is amazing. I mean, that scene is going to yeah. win him the Oscar. One of my favorite tropes in these movies about Hollywood is when the actor is practicing their lines in an early scene and then delivers the lines in uh-huh. the dramatic way. Yeah, the way that he does in this movie. The the one example off the top of my head is is uh, Mulholland, Mulholland Drive. Drive. And it's right. that's the thing. Mulan but Drive a lot, is, but a lot of know. movies about Hollywood will do something similar to that. Oh, I love it when the lines sound so bad, so bad when he's reading them in the pool, and when Naomi Watts is lamely going through them with her friend. Right, right. you know, like so oh god, this that's role that's the best example. Terrible. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And terrible then we, dialogue. And then we get oh yeah, even a great thing on his lines rehearsal. Is he has his tape deck? Yeah, that he just pours it's himself reel a, to reel because it's nineteen sixty nine. Pours himself a boot of whiskey sour. You had to floats. have eight. You had to have eight. Couldn't, couldn't have, have four. Couldn't have three or four. <laughs> oh, the, but yeah, that trailer flip out. But, but him, yeah, him, but you, yeah, him you going over the his tape lines. of him doing the lines. But the the Spanish guy and it was like. Si, senor. <laughs> obviously him doing the best. Yeah. yeah. Spanish, Spanish, Spanish. Spanish, Spanish, Spanish. And then I say this. It's like, oh, God. As this he's pilot mixing sounds the drinks. terrible. Right. But then you're on the set. And, and you've got the whole lead up where he's talking about the... And, like, that that to me, like, the, the first time I saw this movie, definitely that dragged in, in my mind to the first time. Him talking to the director about the makeup and the hair. But yeah. You see that all leads up to this, you know, the pressure's on. Mm-hmm. And you see him feeling the pressure and... Oh man, that scene with him and Timothy Oliphant just oh, going yeah. back and forth, and it was so much funnier the second time watching it when he fucks up and oh, he's like man. asking and he's you're in the middle of the most dramatic part <laughs> and he's like my line my line yeah and he kind of does the thing where he's trying to clear you see that stuttering come back a little bit when he's asking for the line you see that comes out of it yeah the facade's starting to break away he's coming coming back into that oh. And, and you it. notice that whole thing uh, was one one shot. It was just a, right. a long shot on him uh, throughout his whole not the trailer flip out the when he's messing yeah, up yeah, the yeah, tape yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. wanting to run it back. Like, right, that's all right, right. one thing. And oh, it looks so good. And yeah, he they have is to so ro- awesome. they, they have to roll it back to Oliphant and then yeah, make it again ro- around exactly. him. I love that. Yeah. Oh, it was so beautiful. But it really kind of hit home the this idea that like these people are just playing pretend for a living mm-hmm. and how weird that must be <laughs> yeah in like real like to also have real life happening around you and you're like on the set pretending to be you know the gringo or whatever it yeah. is uh, all day yeah. uh so it was it just it just tickles my imagination in this weird way like it's that's a so- weird even phrase to say but it just that's how it, i think of it like it just makes me think about yeah, Rick Dalton. Just think about movies. It just makes me about... want to like read a comic book of like other Rick Dalton adventures, or like <laughs> I want the young adventures of Rick Dalton, like Indiana Jones style. Like I want, like yeah. I want more. I want more. Yeah, yeah. I I love. I love it. I love that scene of him, and it's oh that scene in Mohan Drive floored me when oh, I yeah. saw it in the theater, where she is suddenly doing these hack lines, and it sounds like suddenly the most passionate, yeah. intense thing you've ever seen, and suddenly. DiCaprio's 
in that scene and he's throwing that girl down and yeah. he is doing a what was it a a triple uh his improv the with triple the, alliteration oh, triple, improv or whatever you don't see that every day and what do they call him the evil Macbeth or something um, yeah, evil hamlet evil hamlet evil, evil hamlet, hamlet yeah evil one hamlet. leg draped over the arm of the chair oh it was so good and i kind of wonder i was thinking about this after watching it today like i wonder if that was supposed to be because th- that feels like a lot like his character in Django and chained a little bit like yeah. same kind of hair same kind of outburst mm-hmm. you know uh i don't know if there was any if that was supposed to be kind of like a reference back to that at all but it was just uh, it was just a, a i i love I, i'm always trying to find connections between sure. other Tarantino well he's movies. a guy who he does puts it. connections in yeah. his movies so but, uh, we're obviously thinking of it i loved the director I looked up that yeah. actor, didn't recognize him really. Okay. Uh, but I loved him. Yeah. And that director. What, what a great look. He was great. Um, and, oh man, the, like we brought up the whole scene on the Spawn Ranch. And it was cool because within the year we've watched together the movie The Sadist from 1964, the yeah. bulk of the movie was filmed at the Spawn Ranch. Yes. It and was. so the second he turned into that place, I didn't recognize it when he was talking in the car with the. Uh, Andy sure, you don't, you don't recognize. The I didn't name. know the name yeah. of it, and then once they pulled into it, it's like I've seen this place a dozen times on the screen. Yeah, you know, and yeah, we just seen the Sadist. I looked it up. It's like, yep, that's it. And it's just <laughs> like, God damn! Everywhere I look in this movie, it is something that I've seen uh, as just a film lover. It's like it was made for us. Yeah, which so it's it's really unfair of us to like it and praise it because <laughs> it was made for us. And sorry everyone else who didn't like it. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it wasn't made for you. It was made for us. I'm never gonna read any criticism. I don't yeah, care. Don't worry. Uh, it's it's such a joy, and oh man. And the hippies get it at the, the hippies end. Just I, get it. You know, let's get to the end. We, we've already done about an hour on this. Uh, you I know, that again, whole obviously the whole movie just thought. And it wanted you to believe, but you kind of get that hint at misdirection earlier. Yeah. That, that, that everything that was going to happen that you think is going to happen might happen a little differently. And I think you hint it huge at that in the scene at Spawn Ranch. Yes. Where for 20 minutes you're thinking, the last... this is definitely going south. Yeah, yeah. And then he finally gets to where Brad Pitt finally gets back to Bruce Dern. Great Dakota Fanning scene, by the way. Oh, yeah. As Squeaky Frome. Nice little, yeah, nice little Loved bit there. Loved her in sure. there. How she went from being like, I thought she was going to, you know, pull a knife. Right. And she just. She's um, got the dead eyes going in that yeah. one for sure, yeah. She seemed just cold and like <laughs> she was going to do bad. And Brad Pitt is playing that scene as cool as anybody could ever be. Right. Oh, and he's wearing his faded ass champion t-shirt <laughs> with the yellow Hawaiian Good fit in jeans, a good belt buckle, and those moccasins, man. The moccasins. That look is just the cool. That is like the (laughs) coolest possible Ace Ventura, but in the best way, man. So Halloween, uh, you're Cliff. I'm uh, Rick. Oh God, no! I can pull off Cliff. (laughs) I can maybe do Rick. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I got the six pack. No, I'm I'm more close. I'm closer to Polanski. Sharing his stupid Austin Powers suit for the Playboy Mansion party. But when he finally talks his way into seeing Bruce Dern, the owner of the Spawn Ranch, it turns out the guy's totally fine. And, you know, it turns out he's doing great. Yeah. Well, doing great. He's blind. He's uh, He's doing the best possible. He's, 
you know, uh, yeah, I feel like there's got to be some significance to that scene as far as it being the metaphor for how this kind of hippie group is able to infiltrate old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like, such a, like, I I don't know if that's really where the Manson family was in real life on Spawn Ranch. I, I haven't really... Yeah, no, they, that was... That was an that actual was where spot they were, for them. Yeah, they legitimately stayed So clearly up. something happened where they were able to get in there and get this old timer yeah. to do what they want to do. But, yeah, it's such a... Such a uh, left field moment of him just being like you've you touched me here today <laughs> yeah i gotta go you back came. to bed like you he just couldn't me. care less that this yeah. guy was here to he's try just to excited see if he was to watch okay. uh, fbi that night yeah. with squeaky he just doesn't want to disappoint her yeah that's the gr- oh i love that line I so much when private and what happens when you uh when she gets mad oh nothing really yeah i just don't like disappointing her <laughs> oh bruce Dern is brilliant such a, as that guy so yeah such an unexpected moment uh-huh. of him and just not caring. I'd forgotten he was even in the credits. He, uh, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. all these other guys like Martin Cove or William Smith there and in the credits. Bruce Stern was in there. Right. Uh, but, oh, again, another classic performance. It was probably five minutes long. Exactly. You know? If, yeah. If so. that. And, oh, the way everything plays out and the way we finally cut to the chase at the end where we get the series of narrations from Kurt Russell yeah. laying out the timeline and uh, that was one of those, all right, we spent a good two hours with these people. Let's get to where we're headed. Exactly. And six just, months later. Six months later. We made some Here's movies. what's happening. It's, it's, yeah, it's like you don't follow them making the movies in, in, in Italy. You just get the like yeah. wrap up. This he, movie he can't it. be seven hours long, He people. gained a lot of weight. He didn't really... I love the little bit about um, the the Tower of Babel style of filmmaking where everyone just says their own language. Yeah. The lines of their own language. we're familiar with that. And then you overdub. Yeah, because that's... All the... Like a movie like, like Zombie. Yeah. When... Three people in a scene are talking, and one of them's Italian, one of them's like Mexican, and the other's American, and they're all speaking a different language, and so none of the lips match up with anything that's being dubbed in. Right. It's still just like, what is happening? <laughs> that's when we found out they just have everybody speak it. So nobody filming these movies has any idea what the other person's saying. Yeah. They're just guessing at emotion. That's why they're not really that good. <laughs> it, it just gives a weird uh, yeah, vibe to all these thing. films. I just love that moment, but... But yeah, yeah, he didn't like the uh, the everyone speak their own language style. Yeah, yeah so we get the great caress, and then we get the movie's brilliant twist, which is what if the Manson family got distracted and went one house over? Yep, like that's literally what the movie is about. Is yep. what if the Manson family, for whatever reason, went to the wrong house? Right. What if what if Rick happened to be awake at that time making margaritas? You know, what if they didn't have the muffler? You know, what if the muffler yeah. worked? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't have heard it's him, a right? private drive. Uh, yeah, it's just <laughs> such a great, yeah, because we know it's coming. We know it's coming, especially when they then cut to August and you see Sharon Tate is pregnant in the mm. scene leading up to it. Yeah. We know it's coming. They're like, they, they, I'm like they went to the restaurant. for a they pregnant went to woman bed. Getting, getting Yeah, married. it's just, it's, one of, it's like midsummer where we're like, just don't let it be too gross. Yeah. Like, let's not go there. But then... They do the brilliant thing, which is Tarantino turns it into an escapist fantasy. And, uh, you know, we get the cathartic, overly violent. But oh, man. Maybe, like, I feel weird saying, like, I really loved the violent scene. At the end. <laughs> like, I I really liked it. I liked really watching it. He really cashed in, like, most of his violence I, in this one it, scene. It's done so well, and I love the music behind it. I just love Oh, yeah. We get I the vanilla it. fudge. Uh 
hits the chick Supreme with the dog food cover, can. Oh, God, right in the teeth. Uh, Golly. You know, and, and I was really scared they were going to, uh, spoiler alert, they don't shoot the dog. I was really scared we were oh. going to lose the dog. They, sure, We sure, don't even sure. do that. The dog's the superhero, the dog's man. The best. Brandy the dog? She's a killer in this movie. The dog is great. What a what a dog performance. We get such a I mean, it's just so intensely violent. It's the it's it's a weirdly funny just, violent fight scene. Yeah. And even it worked for someone, me. you know, my mom, she thought Brad Pitt was hilarious when he's on acid talking to, you know, Yeah. Talking old old Tex. Oh, Tex saying the, the thing about I'm the devil. Oh man, no, no. it was dumber than it was that. Dumber than that. <laughs> Brad Pitt has such a delivery that I just can't uh, I can't wrap my head around his delivery. His the way he says things, impossible. Oh, now yeah. why would that be impossible? Like all of a sudden he's got this draw. Yeah. He's just got this like California drawl. Exactly. Like California a surfer drag. drag. It's that Drew Barrymore so drag. I could listen to it. And all he's got like day. a dude version of that. And oh, he's the coolest. Yeah. They all came out. And then of course Perfect. The move the the moment of the movie that got far and away the biggest reaction, I think, every time I've seen it, <laughs> is the final appearance of the flamethrower, flamethrower for the 14 fists of McCluskey oh my God. that we see earlier in the tool shed. Yep. Just hanging out there as the funny little prop in the background. Oh, do you see it in the tool shed? Uh-huh. When, uh, when Brad Pitt's when Bra- fixing his antenna, I figured it's you would. sitting there. Uh, I'll have to look for it again. It, yeah. It's, it's not a sneaky thing. They, they okay. linger on it it's for on a it. moment. They, they hit it for a beat, but not overly. I was staring at Brad Pitt, apparently, the whole yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's loading up his tool belt with uh, an yeah. old Chattanooga yep, and then yep. does some parkour to get up on the roof. But yeah, the fl- the flamethrower at the end is, yeah, the crowd Dude. goes wild. People are people are cheering this girl getting <laughs> roasted by a flamethrower. Every time I've seen it, that scene is getting yeah. people howling. Yes. It's well, crazy. that's what we, at the end, yeah, at the end that you... Like I said, you got the the uh, middle aged women. I was ready for them to like, yeah, avert the eyes and not yeah. get into it. But yeah, there. One of them was, I think, when he's smashing the girl's head. Oh, in, that was so many smashing into the mantle and stuff. One, the one of the ladies next to me was like, said something to the effect of, "That's a bit excessive." And the other one was like, "That's what you would do if someone's <laughs> in your house. <laughs> you, you would do. just keep going." It was something to that effect. Like, uh, Look, yeah, you got to, you got to make sure you they're gotta down. Smash face. You got to make sure they're you down. smash face. But yeah, like everyone was into it. Oh, the face smash into like, the phone. It was Tarantino's like, oh, just that. It's. That's his bread and butter, man. Just being able to do that quick, intense violence after this yeah. long, drawn-out build-up to it. And, and it pays off. And, I, uh, the last yeah. few minutes of this movie, even after all the excitement, after, oh, all, yeah. after all the uh, Manson family are <clears throat> disposed of, yes, we get <laughs> four wonderful minutes to close us out where we get one last little glimpse at the enduring friendship of Rick and Cliff, mm. which is just one of the great on movie friendships. Yeah. It's not boss and employee, you know, like with Rick touching his hand to the ambulance and Cliff's like, nah, just come see me tomorrow in the hospital. Like, bring bagels. Bring bagels. I love that little yeah. bit. Yeah. And it's just them just like, you're a good friend, Cliff. And it's like, dude, this is good. Oh, yeah. This is great. And it's a and it's a sweet moment at the end where he's invited up to see oh. Sharon and all that. It's so I love such a the sweet but bittersweet because we know the reality, but in the moment it's such a like Well, it's a great alternate. It's the alternate timeline uh, where Sharon Tate lives yeah. and this budding young starlet actually gets a shot at her career. 
and Rick Dalton, you know, is getting a part in a, the next Polanski right, movie. So that's so right? early in the movie, twenty minutes in, yes, when Rick yes. has the meeting, yes, about and he's so bent out of shape about doing Italian movies. Yeah, yeah, and that's when he does that beautiful line about that's when you buy when you're making money. Yep, and then he says they see Polanski, and that's I'm just one pool party away. Yep. From the hottest director in Hollywood. <laughs> and then he gets his he pool gets party. It. Rick gets his pool party. You it know was... he's going to be in the next Polanski movie. I love the... It's going to restart his career like Travolta or you know yeah. Robert Forrester or whatever. It's going to yeah. be that big late career moment. Tarantino, oh, man, right? the guy who no. resurrects careers, is making a movie about a guy getting his career <laughs> resurrected yeah. by another director. <laughs> who's a real director. Um I love how Leo plays these, this conversation with Jay Sebring and Sharon Tate over the, the yeah. speak bar, speaker box where he finds out that they reference him. Yes. he's Rick fucking Dalton. Yes. And he jo- they every the Manson family all recognized him. Like, that was Rick Dalton. Yeah, yeah. That right. was Jake Cahill? Cahill? Like, this guy, the guy is, that just yelled at me, yeah, was this Jake guy is the guy Cahill. who doesn't realize that he's fucking Jake Cahill because everybody else True, still right? views him as the badass on Bounty Law, and so then he's getting talked to by these cool neighbors, and they're dying to hang out with this old guy, this guy who's, as he says in the beginning, on his ass, you know. Yeah. And oh, so here he gets he such gets such a great moment party. at the end, and, 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 and Emil Hirsch gives him the thumbs up, yeah. like "Come get drinks, bro. You want this? You want yeah. like yeah? You know this. You're is You're doing be- good, buddy. Yeah. yeah. And then we get the the great overhead pan up to him walking up the hill to the uh, to the house. Oh, it's so good. That's the sweetest just, ending. Just yeah, for a, for a Tarantino See, movie. It's very unexpected, you know, especially the last. The last few Tarantino movies, yeah, they don't end necessarily on sweet notes. But, yeah, uh, this no, one this really like did, the, and, I, the and I enjoyed it. Ending, yeah, it's so wonderful. And then we get the beautiful little red apple uh, oh, ad in the credits. Everybody left, guys. Stay through the credits. Everybody left. A bunch of people. They get up before we've even cut to black. Yeah, You're, we're still looking at the porch with the credits coming up, and people are like, "Oh, we're done." Oh yeah, people, people were, have such a weird thing about leaving movies. People were just beating as soon traffic. as they see a credit, they're like, "We're." The movie is done. Yeah. There's no sense of like sitting, letting the song play out. I w- it's weird. I yeah. want to see so. I want to hear. I want to see what song I recognize. Yeah. You know, I want to look at look at what else I missed. Especially if you've enjoyed the movie, sit with it for a minute. Yeah, watch the credits. And this end the of credits credit are sequence, stylized. It is deep. It's not yeah. the very end, but it is three minutes into the could, credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I would say the last time I saw it, probably ninety percent of the people had took right. off. And, I and wanted, then you get that weird thing where half of them are standing in the aisle when it starts, the and then they just freeze and standing on the stadium steps. Movie they, continues, but that must was a, continue. Movie. Oh, the scene was so good. With we get a full one take commercial for Leonardo selling red apple cigarettes, red apple for cigarettes. Rick, by Rick Dalton. Less less throat burn. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> with Love less that. throat burn and better nicotine flavor. Oh man, better tobacco flavor. And then he, yeah. Oh, and then him punching his cardboard stand-up with his double chin. Nobody else noticed this. Such a great moment. So um, let's take a break. Yeah. Because we're going to get into our Tarantino Top 10. And I have a quick little theory I want to talk to you about. I love hearing it. Yeah, Charlie and I coming up. We separately, without consulting each other, ranked 
all 10 of Tarantino's movies. Yeah. And I'm curious how we match up. We have not gone over any of these picks ahead of time. We have not. And I'm and, curious. And, I, and we're probably not going to get too deep into these movies. We're really going to Yeah, those are for future podcasts. 10 movies here. So we're just going to rank them. But then I have a theory I want to talk to you about. We'll do the theory after the break and yes. then end up there we with go. our top 10s. That'll work. All right. We'll be back. So it's come to this. Yes, we're back. We're back. Thank you guys for sticking with us. We just talked a bunch about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, the latest and, and one of the greatest Tarantinos. Um, My favorite movie of the year, hands down. It's a no-brainer. You know, I, I, it'd be hard. It'd be hard to come up with one that, uh, yeah, is going to top it. I can't come up with many so far. From anyways, the decade so far that I like more. It's. Uh, it's right up there. But again, it's not not because of what happens or, or why it happens, but just the overall cinematic effect. Um, so I have a theory that we'll get into. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to hear this. We, we gotta, we, we're going to rank our Tarantinos, but I wanted to talk to you, Eric, about something I noticed. Okay. Uh, and I noticed it first uh, earlier this week. I rewatched uh, Death Proof cool. for the first time cool, cool, cool. since seeing it in the theater. Oh, so you saw Grindhouse. I saw the in Grindhouse, the, the nice. double feature. <laughs> Let me ask you, uh We probably went uh, it was yeah, 12 maybe years we went ago. together, it was yeah. 12 possible. years ago, so I, I don't remember who I saw it with, but neither we do I. Saw it. Um when you saw it in the theater, did people leave after the first feature? Uh good question. Cuz that happened when I saw it. I think people left because they thought there was going to be an actual intermission. Rather than mm. just playing like right, several trailers, like trailers. fake trailers. I think mm. they thought there was an actual... Inter- and I mean, it kind of was you know, yeah. its own intermission. I but- seem to remember people in my screening actually just like, well, saw them, saw Grindhouse. I, that very well could have happened. <laughs> like happened. they missed all of... Death or they're just Truth. like, we're done. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're good. We're good. Um, I'm a big Planet Terror fan. But uh, I, liked, I Planet like Planet Terror. Planet Terror is way better than a lot of movies that it... Borrows. From. I like I like Grindhouse. I like the experience. But yeah, but I, I strictly a remember hours, a lot of people just like, well, we watched a movie that ended, funny. so we're done. Like well, they didn't know the concept at all. It happens. Uh, so okay, so you just so I just rewatched it and so I noticed in it, um, it's something I I guess I'd been in the back burner of my mind about Tarantino movies, but every time someone would light a cigarette in that movie, the lighter it would take more than once to light the lighter, and then the lighter would light. Now, one of the earliest things that Tarantino ever directed was a segment in Four Rooms. Wow. Did you ever see Four Rooms? I've never seen Four Rooms. So, Four Rooms is like... I don't like know where a, to put Four Rooms on my Tarantino list. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's four segments, each directed by a different director. Mm-hmm, Tim mm-hmm. Roth is this bellhop who goes between four rooms in a hotel. Yeah. Final segment, I think it's the final segment, is directed by Tarantino. It's got Bruce Willis in it, <laughs> someone else, maybe one shot. I'm trying to remember. But the whole crux is these guys have a bet over the guy's lighter being able to light on the first try. And if he doesn't, they're going to cut his finger off. <laughs> There's like a, all right, if it lights, uh, if it doesn't if it doesn't work the first time on the lighter, yeah. we cut your finger off. And <laughs> guess what? It ends with it not lighting the first time. I'm not really sure how this whole bet comes across. In four, four rooms, rooms, spoiler alert. For four rooms, spoiler alert. The lighter time. doesn't light the first time. Then I noticed it didn't light the first time ever in Death Proof. And I was like, is that a thing where Tarantino, because we know about Tarantino's foot fetish. We know that he likes to repeat motifs. He's got the red apple cigarettes kind of always show up. 
He's brought up Big Kahuna Burger a couple times. Sure. So there's these repeating the, uh, things. The the intro theme that I pointed out. Yeah, yeah, played right. uh, during the uh, the drive right. in here. Exactly. Yeah, he's got little touchbacks. So, is there a thing where there's never a lighter that's lit in a Tarantino movie on the first try? Man, I watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with this thought in mind today. Okay, and every time they light a cigarette, which is many times a in lot this of movie, it always takes. Two or more. All right, so there's one in my head that I don't recall him. I, this is not something I've noticed or thought about until okay. you brought it up right now. But I seem to remember, maybe subconsciously, when they are watching Rick's FBI episode, and they're hanging out in Rick's living room, uh, Cliff has like kind of a large... Those lighters that are also kind of a table centerpiece. Yeah. yeah. There's a black kind of table set lighter. Well, and I don't remember if he struggles or not with it. I don't I remember more, that. I, don't I remember more remember that. him putting it down back on the table. I specifically remember when Cliff Cliff is on the roof and he lights the cigarette on the roof before mm-hmm. the flashback. He does take two lights. DiCaprio always takes two lights. The cigarette, though, that Cliff lights, the acid cigarette, very pronounced one flick of the lighter. Huh. And it lit on the first flick. I can't say I know the significance I, of it, I but I'm know. fascinated that you picked up on this. I'm Well, basically, this is me saying, now I have to go back and watch <laughs> every single one of these Quentin Tarantino movies sure. and document. We got to go did you see the, Did you see the... You don't see anything about these movies, but there no. was this bullshit uh, thing on in, in maybe Time or some major publication was like, okay. we ranked all the times women spoke in Tarantino movies. Oh. And it was very low. You know, it's obviously male-dominated. They didn't include Death Proof in their mm. rankings because they sure came they up with a reason idea. not to because they right, had their right. thing to say. But the, so sure, many pe- women talk for eighty nine percent of this movie, but but anyways, I'm saying that because people f- seem to latch on to so many things about Tarantino, and I'm the guy over here going, "Does the lighter light every time? Yeah. <laughs> What's the significance?" And maybe it's because Cliff is having this acid cigarette that's about to turn into this fantasy sequence. I don't know, man. You are the dude asking Krusty the Clown about, like, the <laughs> wizard's key. <laughs> um, in issue 124, why does Iron Man's uh, suit change color in one panel? Uh, yeah, so no. I know. And he's just like, I don't know. Sometimes the cigarettes not- light on the first take, and other times they don't. And you're just like... I see. I cool. just feel like cool, cool, cool. Uh, Tarantino is such a meticulous guy. Yeah, he's not going to let something like that just happen. And the fact accident. that so many times when people are lighting cigarettes, especially in this movie, you do notice it. Every time, I think Rick Dalton lights probably 45 cigarettes in this movie. And yeah, it was like every time. And then Cliff lights it on the first try. I was like, well, shit, either there goes my theory or that had a significance to it. That's I, that's when I see Tarantino <laughs> at the next Comic Con or whatever event. That's what I'm gonna ask. That's you're gonna that's you're gonna be gonna there waiting with that one in your holster. I got I, uh, it. Don't steal my question, guys. You brought yeah. Nobody else beat me to this cigarette lighting punch. Uh, when <laughs> what's funny something. is I noticed the cigarettes in this one only because I was by the end of the movie I was really falling in love with that initial sizzle mm. and like drag of the of the paper you know like right that they used like the same sound effect for all these like totally like i I know what you mean noticing this distinct sizzle and i first noticed it in the humorous scene when he does sit down with little uh mirabelle yep little uh 
uh, Mirabelle Lancer. Mirabelle yeah. Lancer. And little uh, what was it? Pumpkin pie or pumpkin uh, puss? Pumpkin. Oh, pumpkin. <laughs> we can talk puss. about that later. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, you're, you're upset. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. And uh, and he kind of gives her that laugh. That was great. When he's like, "Do you mind if I um if I sit here?" And yeah. like, she's clearly wanting a quiet mood. And that's when I first started noticing him like hacking, and spitting, right, and making noise. And then his even his cigarette is loud. And from once I heard the cigarette in that scene, I was hearing that cigarette light up. By the end of this, I was just like, "I want to smoke like so bad." I, mean, I think I'm gonna try it. The, the way he hacks in that me. movie, I thought they were gonna give him cancer. I thought oh, it was gonna be like he was hacking and spitting oh, so man. much. It was, it was good. But yeah, guys, let me know if that lighter is just me being weird, or thing? if that's a thing. Because I'm Charlie reading too like, much into this. Legit, gonna go home now and like document the way those guys documented. Oh. That's what I meant. The way those guys, quote unquote, documented women talking in his movies and the percentage. Yeah, I'm doing that with you're doing that lighters. with cigarette lightings. Charlie is now officially, when we all look back, and Charlie has his own uh, QAnon-adjacent <laughs> cigarette Tins Tarantino yeah, yeah, movies yeah. thing. It's just going to be like, I remember when this all went to hell. Like I remember when, when Charlie I, was normal and cool. When I publish my book, Pedantic Movie Critic, uh, <laughs> yeah, I will. Uh, that'll be chapter the one. The guy you hate talking about movies the at lighter. parties. Uh, but the lighter, man. What about the lighter, bro? Um well, so, that's, a, that's a great way. Like, if you hate that about my movie criticism, you're going to love this top 10 Tarantino we're doing. Yeah. So we talked about this of like, oh, man, we should rank them. And we're not going to delve into maybe a base reason if we think uh, one of them deserves an explanation. I, I want 20 words or less. Like, I want, sure. like, if you can't say it in a sense. We'll eventually do podcasts on these movies. I'm I would, sure. Yeah, they absolutely. deserve them. Once I tally up my lighter counts. Oh, yeah. We need to do the follow-up lighter counts for <laughs> all of these. Yeah, so we're going to do our 10. And again, we have not... We've kept our lists hidden from each other. This was an idea we had earlier this week. Yeah. And so we have not consulted each other, but we're going to give you the 10. We're going to start at 10, and we're going to each go through our picks one by one. Right. And if there's maybe something controversial that the other one is stunned by, <laughs> then right. the other person might demand. We an might explanation. demand an explanation. But yeah, and we are for the sake of this because of the top ten we're doing. Kill Bill one and two as separate movies. Yeah, just for the I, sake of. I our, saw them separately in the theater. OCD. As far as I know, they never played together in the theaters. Uh, they must they, have done a screening like that maybe at a, some point. I think it would have to be. A I don't think special. I've ever watched them back to back as one. No, I, don't think I I've think ever these done that. they were. I mean, they were released as separate movies. They were, they were in separate were. Oscar periods. Like, and there is a there's a Kill Bill Volume Three in the works apparently, or he's I got had, a script. I had no. He's idea. got a script. So no. So there could be you know. So there you go. Yeah, that would not be obviously part of the first I mean, movie. So Bill's dead from the bottom up. What is your least favorite? Quentin Again, Tarantino. because of the listing, <laughs> I'm I'm putting at the bottom Kill Bill Two because it is. Maybe not exactly an official movie as part of Kill Bill One. Plus, Kill Bill Two to me was just whatever. So that's my, my that's 10 my bottom is Kill Bill Volume Two. Nice. All mm-hmm. right, here we go. I I was I was a little let down when I saw it in the theater. Yeah, I uh, I still love it. Uh, it's but it's probably among the Tarantinos I have watched the least. I thought it was a big come down from Kill Bill One. Yeah, and it was intentional. It was intentionally a different movie 
from the yeah. first one. Yeah, this list very much to me is also like, how, how do I want to watch these again? How many times do I want to watch these? Sure. How much do I want to revisit these? So well, yeah. we are one to one. We should have taken we're, bets all right, on how one. much we were going to match up on this one. All right, so I'll go first on this on number nine. Got it. The Hateful Eight. That's my number nine. Oh, my God. The Hateful Eight is my number nine. You're crushing this. Yeah, because uh, I just didn't really have an affinity for any of those characters. Here's the, the way thing. that I do for even his worst characters in other movies. I, you have some affinity for them. I get it. I, I want to rewatch These it on Netflix. These are eight hateful people, the, Charlie. <laughs> it's right in the title. <laughs> the problem with the hateful eight is I be more clear. like any of these eight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I will say I. Uh, this is why this list was so hard. M- my favorite movie of 2015 was the hateful. Eight. That's funny. <laughs> it's like my ninth. 2015 Tarantino must movie. have been quite the year. Um, but yeah. Okay. So yeah, we still. I. So I. I Liked it. I want to watch it again. Mm-hmm. It's number. Nine. I'm really, I'm really excited to see the multi-part Netflix. I do want to. That's how I want to watch Guaranteed, it. Guaranteed. You know, yeah. Yeah. For totally. sure. So, um, all right. Let's hear your number eight, eight is Django Unchained. Okay. I just felt that it went on too long. I just wasn't into it. Okay. Didn't get it. That's uh for me. Number eight is Death Proof. Ah, we're nice. we're off. That's fine. Um, we'll get through this again though. Fan of Death Proof. Uh, I think Death Tarantino Proof, himself has said it's his worst. Movie. I think that is the consensus typically yeah. that it lands at the bottom. Um, um, but I, yeah, again, Death Proof, Hateful Eight, Kill Bill Volume Two are my eight, nine, ten. Uh, I dig them all, but I like I like the vibe of Death Proof, and I like the talkiness of Death Proof that a lot of people hate. I do. I like the quick flashes of car crash violence that come. I mean, hardens like you're talking yeah, yeah, quick yeah. flashes of Tarantino prices. Those. Couple of those collisions. Oh, mama! Yeah, so just uh, just there goes. you go. So, all right, so number seven for me, Django Unchained. Okay, okay. my number seven is uh, Inglorious Bastards. Okay, which, that is my hardest pick because seven feels very low, mm-hmm. but I really, really do enjoy Inglorious Bastards. I think it's one of his best written. Like okay. I love the writing in it. It just the other ones I like more. I get that's you. where we're at. Like, yeah, uh, it's it's. it's uh, I got. It's I agree with you. Seven feels really low. Feels low because usually when you're doing a list, there's a few things at the bottom that you just naturally dislike. Yeah. Number seven, I like more than most movies that I've seen. Exactly. So exactly. it's a tough list. Sorry. Right, what is your number six? Reservoir Dogs. Okay. Reservoir Dogs, and uh, again, that one feels like it's too low because that's one of those I kind of grew up watching that one a lot in my early 20s mm. because it's shorter it's tight it's compact love the characters i love everything about it i just uh maybe because i've seen it so many times already mm-hmm. that i'm interested in seeing his other movies more sometimes uh, your favorite album loses its punch a little bit if you've listened yeah. to it as and that yeah. and reservoir dogs has kind of this negative connotation of like the frat boy dorm room poster like that sure. kind of turns me off a little bit to it like the let's go to work kind of you know whatever I get that. but that's a t- that's tough I but i like, get it i do like it. so what's your number six my number six is inglorious bastards there you go pretty which, close which was my seven, yeah we've, we've we've been one off on on not, a, not too a couple shabby. of these not too shabby once we got out of matching we haven't matched in a bit uh but in that again with inglorious bastards and you had it at seven yeah. even at six i'm looking at this and going Oh, this feels too low. Yeah, but then you look at one through five, and it's like, oh boy, well, I'm not <laughs> sure, not sure what to bump. Yeah, but oh, uh, I think Inglorious Bastards is very underrated. 
it, which is funny to say for a movie that won right. like an Oscar. And, uh, but and I, is pretty universally loved amongst like Tarantino. Yeah, I still feel it's been seen a lot less hmm. than a lot of these other ones. So it's, I think it's kind of underseen compared. I think that and Hateful Eight feel very underseen. Yeah, compared to these other eight. Inglorious Bastards kind of feels like the the. It's such outside the canon of everything else he does, which is gangsters and exploitation. Yeah. And then you've got World War II. Having a, a straight World War II <laughs> Hitler movie. in the movie kind yeah. of movie. It's such a, like, it feels like that's on. it's on that side and I'm everyone pretty sure else is the, on this uh, side. The David Bowie Cat People song scene <laughs> in the theater would justify me placing this at, like, great. one through three. Uh, but So I love Inglourious Bastards. So, yeah. okay, now we're in our top five. Yeah. And again, we're going to go till four, and then we're going to just blurt out our top three. Yes, okay. So, okay, my that number works. five, Kill Bill Volume 1. That's my number five. All Kill right. Bill V1. We're now in the top half. Uh, that movie is a lot of fun. My One of my favorite scenes is the big 80, the crazy 88s fight scene. Sure. One of the great sword fight scenes of Go-Go all Go-Go Yubari is arguably yeah right uh she's like so cool all-time cool awesome tarantino it's a very cool movie i was i was i remember seeing that one in the theater and just being so just immersed in it from the from the opening with the with the black and white oh yeah just before the credit even before the credits that opening shot of uma thurman bloodied up and Mm -hmm. and you hear i think it's david carradine saying like this is the most you see me at my most merciful or something. I'm yeah. just like, oh, me I, was, and, uh, I loved it. Uh, me and Jason saw that in, I forget the the town close to the border. Down, we were going down to Mexico, and this movie had just For a opened. Tonk? Yeah, down right. In Mexico. All right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this movie was playing at at a mall movie theater, and we watched it Friday. It came out. And I was probably 21, 22, and it felt like be the, right. it felt like the coolest thing yeah. that I had ever seen exactly. at that point in my life. Exactly, like every scene felt so cool. It's like, oh, now it's animation. Oh, now it's the crazy Hong Kong fight scene. Now it's a, another boss battle. And oh like, yeah, yeah. Oh, everything in it felt great. Knife stuff, cool. Uh, Zoe Bell was the stor- stunt yeah. coordinator on that movie, and yeah. then got and her role in Death, uh, Death Proof. Yeah. yeah. So. so okay, so your number four. My number four is Death Proof. Woo! Four. So that's a big. So that is your four and my eight. And again, and there's no doubt, having just watched it, that I, I put it high because I found it to be so much the most bizarre kind of uh, physical looking, like the the things that Tarantino does physically with the film. He scratches the film to get that that mm. grindhouse effect in the first sure. half of the movie. Some of my favorite just dialogue scenes of those girls in the in the beginning and and stuntman mike kurt russell so good in the <laughs> stuntman beginning mike stuntman is mike is a great character especially in the first half but then in the second half he's a it's he's like a different guy yeah and the look is different and then i was reading this thing that got me thinking about how it's a grindhouse experience so tarantino actually made the movie according to this one theory that i like as if the movie house theater owners had cut this movie up from several different movies, <laughs> like they would back in the Grindhouse <laughs> sure. days. So you actually see Tarantino's Thunderbolt, and then that's cut out to say Death Proof in the opening titles. Oh. Like there's this little bit. And it's like this... I don't recall that. Such a bizarre experimentation. And yeah. he really goes full on. Like Planet Terror is a great like genre exploration. He's actually exploring the way that the physical media was... 
cut up and mm-hmm. and changed these butchered prints back and, in the day uh, like it's such a the way they the way drive-ins would run so, movies with yeah. the the same movie with different titles exactly that's what he, yeah it, he, that's that what he stuff. created and uh-huh. that's why it's so different and and uh, I plus really that, enjoyed watching it again plus earlier just this because week. Of that one early introduction uh, stuntman Mike scene. I never want nachos more <laughs> than I the want nacho them seeing, seeing stuntman like just that greasy oh. nacho eating. But that scene where Zoe Bell's on the hood of the car is that's breathtaking. Oh, like that is, you can't breathe while you're watching no, it. No, no, no. That was some so of the greatest cinematography, some of the greatest uh, editing. Seeing it the first again, time in the Sally theater, I, I remember just gripping. The, uh, the most gripped I've ever so, been. Man, so Death Proof's up there for me. I thought I was being like a cool customer putting it at eight. Because I know, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. said, I know Tarantino ranks it as his bottom. And so I was like, I'm, I'm two from the bottom and you're <laughs> knocking this into all-timer territory. <laughs> okay. Well, what's your number four? Pulp Fiction. Oh, nice. Um, all right, all right. That, you really, got an interesting top three then. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm thinking of yours, and it does sound like whether we'll have the same order. Two well, out of three. at least two out of three. Two out of three. All right, you want to do yours or you want to hear mine? Oh man, do we flip? Do we rock paper scissors this I'll bad boy? I'll do it. All right, you I'll go first. This. You go first. You go first. My top three: Tarantino, Jackie Brown, number one, Reservoir Dogs, number two, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, number three. There you go. Nice. Uh, uh, I uh, Before we get into it, mm-hmm. I will just counter and let you know my top three. Once Upon a Time is at my top three, number three. Oh, number three. Oh, you're doing it's, the I'm three, sorry. Two, I'm, one. I'm just letting you know. We matched on number three. Okay. For Once Upon a Time. Obviously, we did not match on number two. Uh, my number one is Pulp Fiction, and my okay. number two is Jackie Brown, and let mm. me tell you, it's a Whisker. And Ooh. I'm conflicted even now. Um as I say it, but I think it's I think Pulp Fiction is just undeniable for what it did sure. for movies, and uh, I think Jackie Brown is the greatest single narrative story he's done. Mm-hmm. But I think Pulp Fiction's several scenes are just too undeniable and just too memorable for me. And so we agreed I, on. I, I can't help it. We, Pulp Fiction. we automatically agree. Once upon a time is a top three top Tarantino three. movie. Top three. So I had Reservoir Dogs number two. You had it. What eight? I had Seven? Uh, six. Six, six oh, for that's Reservoir. Not bad. That's not a big jump. And and more because... So I had a four-point gap with you in Death Proof. That's you true. had a four-point gap on me in Reservoir Dogs. And, and more because I can almost... I could probably, you know, like, not verbatim, but I pretty much memorized that movie at one point watching it as a... So it's just kind of one of those where it's kind of... I think you... I, I just haven't revisited you're gonna, it in a you're while. You're going to watch it in five to eight years and be like, oh, shit. This is uh Oh, I mean I know it's good. Be stu- yeah. I know it's I good. know you're not saying it's bad. It's just uh, I love I can't deny the pulp fiction set pieces. I can't deny the the effect that that movie had on me growing up not mm-hmm. being able to watch it, then getting mm-hmm. to watch it. I mean, it just it just it informed me so much and I love the uh the the like minimalist nature of the movie. And I love the introduction of the characters. Are we talking Reservoir Dogs? Reservoir yeah, Dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For all this. Absolutely. I love Reservoir the Dogs principles. is economic. It's, uh, yeah, it's it, Yeah, well, it's really tight. It's, yeah. what, made for probably 1.5 mil. Right, if that. You know, I love Joe. 
you yeah. know <laughs> and reservoir lo- dogs is like a, i have an affinity for all those characters yeah. even though they're bad guys yeah that's what i was missing in the hateful eight oh like, these were bad guys that you'd uh, you spend know, some time with i feel like hateful eight is like reservoir dogs in the old west it's all in one room it's yeah. all these people who are kind of don't know each other but know each other and you don't know who's playing who and what's happening. There's some people that know each other by rep and, and, and other people just the, heard about the guy that did a job. And you don't really know, so, yeah, Mr. Orange has got this past. and, and mm-hmm. it, it, So I felt like hatefully it was kind of a step backwards actually for Tarantino to do that. But, but yeah, Reservoir Dogs... I never Dogs, actually thought of it that way and that's kind of an interesting point. But yeah, Reservoir Dogs, I love... I make interesting points. What can I say? I, <laughs> <laughs> I love the, um, the way we learn about Mr. Orange. Oh, yeah. And I love seeing him build up for this, quote, role. Yes. While we know in present time he's freaking bleeding out from the gut. One of my favorite bits is, yeah, him learning, again, that trope of him learning his lines. Oh, yeah. Him practicing on the rooftop and then him telling the story and and then the flashback to this fantasy flashback. Yeah, the flashback to the flashback to the... The, the, Of the thing that never happened. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the cops and the yeah. uh, the fake story that's so way. intense until you realize, they, like, wait, this guy's lying, and he's reciting a lie. In a, right. But Tarantino sells you on the lie uh-huh. in the in the thing. Everybody's yeah. so good, so convincing, so cool. And like you said, almost uh, too cool because it, <laughs> yeah. it attracted the wrong crowd. A little, um, bit. A little but bit. I love it. A little bit. Jackie Brown, however, was my easy number one. And like I said, Pulp Fiction was number four, even though it was – my obsession for a year sure it was the only movie i wanted to see if my parents had made a deal with me in 1994 that i could only see one movie that year and i got to see that and nothing else i would i would have flat out done it i wanted to see that so bad it was me it was my itchy and scratchy film (laughs) like i needed to see it so bad right right and my mom just was at every opportunity like blocking that and then my dad straight sold her up the river without telling her. And I, love I will add later to the to the story, I later sold my buddy Carlos up the river. Uh-oh. Because she found out I had seen it somehow. Uh-oh. I don't remember how. <laughs> and she's like, how did you see you this? made a reference. And I straight, up, I straight up just like, saw it at Carlos's house. You were like, I don't like, think much of Buddy Holly as a waiter. She's like, what did what you did say? You, you <laughs> and it's like, but... My, I had recognized that my That's dad funny. did the coolest thing he'd ever did, and I was like, there's not a chance in hell that I am selling my dad out because he hooked me up. I'm not biting that hand. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, boom. That's Carlos, great. you're done. But, yeah, I, I will admit Jackie Brown is, uh, I like I said earlier, it's, it's, it's for nice. a single narrative movie, it, it's, um, it's, it's not, his best work. It's not just my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. There is a case to be made for it to be my favorite movie. Mm. Period. Mm-hmm. It could. It is one of the few contenders that could believably unseat Blue Velvet for well, my number one spot. When we saw it on the big screen, yeah. Oh, when, with with Forster, with Robert Forster in yeah. attendance, we did a Q and A with Forster. You asked him about his hair. Of oh, course, you would. I loved but it. That seeing it on the big screen was. You, this was your scene on the big screen. You hadn't seen it in quite a while, right? I because exactly. I remember you thinking it was too talky or too like. It's a slow movie, and, and yeah. I, I think I had I had not seen it on the big screen. I had rented it back in the day, or or seen it from some friend's house, but I had not yeah. given it the attention at first yeah. that it deserved. I remember thinking the Bridget Fonda and and uh, 
Robert De Niro scenes in the in the oh you where hated those smoking scenes. weed. I'm just like, what are we doing? We're just sitting around smoking weed. I think I remember that criticism. I was and then this time being like, oh man, you're gonna love the yeah. Robert De Niro scenes. But then you realize <laughs> how yeah, De Niro is a dumb thug. Is like so good. Li- yeah yeah. So, but it's like yeah when you when I'm watching it 24, I don't really get the brilliance of casting De Niro as like the has been Lewis. loser Lewis uh. who's like nervous and sweating and. Not yeah. a good criminal. It's like the guy was just in Casino like the year before or whatever, right? It's he just, just like, one of the roles of his life. Uh, so great. Max Cherry and Jackie Brown are my two favorite characters. Yeah. With Max Cherry being my easy, best Tarantino character ever. The conversation. Come up with a better love story. Yeah. I mean, the conversations between those two yeah. are the most human interactions, I think. Yeah. They, they were so tender. And Tarantino doesn't do tender. And he did it so perfectly. The conversation with between him, Forster, and Jackie Brown in her apartment is, I think, some of the most amazing cinema ever filmed. But so Jackie Brown is just, oh, and, I love and Jackie every Brown movie. is about people getting older, yeah. trying to find their way in life. A lot of, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of similarity between the tenderness of that movie and kind of the gentle. Of, of of once upon a time in Hollywood, uh-huh. you're you're looking at vulnerable people. You're not looking at badass like oh, I just spent three months in Amsterdam or three years in Amsterdam getting high, John Travolta like <laughs> hitman. Yeah, you're talking about real real people, bail bondsmen. Max Cherry's just a small business a owner. <laughs> I got a pretty honest guy sitting in a guy's room in the dark, waiting oh. for him to, to come home and stuns him. Forced it's the job. Forster is job. so brilliant. He's so he's so business. He's just he's uh, so, Robert Forster. That's probably. I, I mean, if we had to go like performances or whatever, Forrester in that movie is my favorite. It's for one sure. of my, it's one of my top ten favorite performances like said, in film history. Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown for me one and two. That's yeah, almost like I, a, I can't fall. They're they're holding hands at the cross. You know, at the finish <laughs> line. They they are this together. The, so the, I have a also fairly decent story for the first time i saw jackie brown i don't think it's as cool as the pulp fiction with my dad right. in if silence it's fairly decent I'll it's listen. fairly decent i think it's worth it so i went on a class trip to new york and i bought a vhs of jackie brown from Jesus. a street vendor oh nice who had bootlegged the movie with like a oh, camcorder man. so this the, was like back in the day this is, this is yeah. 97 That's and great. so i bought it for five bucks from a New York, from a guy that had a blanket in you know, out on the street in New York, and oh, we watched Lord. it back that night wherever we were staying. And yeah, it was a dude because you saw people walking yep. in front of the camera. Yep, and it was like, oh shit, I bought, I bought a bootlegged bought- camcorder movie. That's a thing that happened, right? I'd only seen that on Seinfeld, right? Yeah, I didn't know it was. An- I honestly didn't know it was like a thing. That's funny. like I didn't know it was real. That was me, you know, off the turnip truck. Realizing, like, yeah, right. people really bootleg movies? <laughs> There's a legal movie? Oh, run? Like, yeah, so that is how... There's no chance you still have that VHS. God, to it, huh? I honestly don't know. God, that I don't was, know. That would be it so It was like a watch. really cheap paper... Uh, probably, God, <laughs> I probably don't have it. It probably got tossed at no, some I'm point. Sure, yeah. God, that, I, I, I would regret it if I don't have that bootleg, though. I'd gotten that, and I got another one, but Jackie Brown was... Oh, that, I was so excited for that. Man. I got that in like the wedding singer or something from the guy. He goes, uh, I'll give you two, two, uh, two for five special. As he was like looking around for uh, for cops, legitimately it played right. out like it's like watching, str- yeah, straight out of like a, a comedy. Like it was That's so awesome. dumb. Some that teenager awesome. buying bootleg VHS on the streets. 
That's so awesome. yeah, wow. So okay, so our top ten match, not bad, pretty good, not bad, not bad. We had the same ten, just in a slightly different <laughs> order. I noticed we matched on about half. Yeah, uh, close on some others. I mean, I was res- I respect you. I would love to hear anybody else's top ten, yeah. especially if you think you're cool enough to vary too far from right. our top ten. If nothing else, give me the top three. I want to hear the top. Yeah, three top at three least. especially. Uh, and if. Top three and Once maybe Upon a Time bottom. in Hollywood is not on there. Don't don't yeah don't bother. No, I'm just kidding. Don't send it to it. No, but I'm curious because yeah. I know it's uh when I told uh at the cult movies I, I told a few people that we were gonna be doing our top ten. Oh nice and get Patty, that word out. Patty immediately goes like, oh well, number one, obviously Pulp Fiction. I said, whoa whoa with your obviously. Uh, Hold on. Wait, did I make the obvious choice? Yeah, oh, no. Charlie over here. Over. <laughs> uh, the Pulp Fiction That is lover. the one thing. So we didn't go over it, his list ahead yeah. of time, but Charlie did say, you're going to have something dumb like Pulp Fiction at number 10, aren't you? <laughs> I was like, what? Don't, don't slander my list you before we you. talk about this. No, I think uh, I think both of our lists are pretty justifiable. Nice. I'm, I'm curious to hear other people's lists. So we had a big old Tarantino episode. That was fun. That was a good one. Man. Every, I, if you haven't somehow seen Once Upon, don't be the, the lame-o that waits for it to come out. And watch it on your laptop. Seriously. See this movie in a theater on the big screen. See it in the screen. When's it coming man? to Third Street? Uh, it's probably in a couple, soon. Week I or hope, two. right? Probably, yeah. Reserve it. It was only eight dollar matinee today. Oh, nice. I was like, oh, hello, hell yeah. I want, <laughs> I want to see it again one more time oh, in the big theater. Yeah, and then I, I will then see it at least once in Third Street. Nice. At least once. Absolutely, yeah. I'm it's gonna, gotta happen. I'm, I'm it's gonna so see nice. This. It's so nice to have a movie in the theater that you like, love, and want to go see. Like, I feel like it's been forever since I've been like excited this is a, to this like is go be... see a movie. Like, everything is just comic books, or yeah. I don't know, just like oh, I guess I'm supposed to go see this movie. But yeah, it's just this so nice a... to be like, let's go. <laughs> this is off the top of my head. I think the. I think this is only the second movie I've seen three times. Oh wow! In yeah, the yeah. theater. That would, oh man, I wouldn't even dare to. Uh, three seen, times is is. I don't think I've seen a movie three times in the theater since Spider Man with Tobey Maguire. Like, okay, that, you know it's been that. I don't go see a movie because I remember times. my other one. <laughs> All right, it was Spider Man. Con Air. <laughs> yeah, even I saw, better. I saw Con Air the trio. Two of them on dates. Different girls. Nice. I took two different girls. Sixteen-year-old wow. me. I was like, "Well, you gotta see Con Air." That was my move. You guys. Con Air was my move. <laughs> so, yeah, that's great. Con, I don't know what significance this has, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Con Air, it's right up there with Con Air. Right up there with Con Air for that's me. That's perfect. Boom. But I'm. It's gonna pass it. I'm gonna see. <laughs> it. I'm gonna see this movie at least. It's gonna get in the four tier. If I still that's had, like Jurassic Park level four well, tier. If I still had the chance to be seeing Con Air in the theater, who knows oh, what? Uh, we'll who see knows it right what now. that'll be? Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, see it in the theater. See this movie Please. in the theater. If you love Hollywood, if you love Tarantino, if you love movies, if you just have two and a half hours to kill, this is just one of my favorite plop down. It's and the watch best thing movies. to do. Yeah, it's so perfect. Good enough for three. Good enough. Well, Eric, you were good enough for me. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> this is my show now. <laughs> Just the, the frequent guest, guesting on every single you've, episode. You've done it again. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else canceled. You were a great last-minute fill Well, in. thanks for making it work. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you Everybody next. Everybody go we'll see We'll see it. you next Thank time. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. 
Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you. And uh, tell us what your Tarantinos I'm are. I'm dying to hear. I'm We're really We're on Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram. I don't know if you even know that. I, I, I try to do a couple things on I do not have the gram. I appreciate you gramming uh, it up. But look us up. Uh, so it's come to this. I'm on Friendster. Yeah. Catch me on there. Perfect. Yeah. We and soon, uh, OnlyFans. <laughs> the OnlyFans. <laughs> we got we to gotta get some bucks into this operation. <laughs> Our nude movie podcast <laughs> is starting soon. Until then. Until then. Thank you. Thank you, Tell guys. us our top ten. Good night.